Welcome to Travel Stories by Witty Travels. Hello to everyone listening on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. We are your hosts. I'm Will. And I'm Kati. In today's episode, we're going to share our stories and behind the YouTube scenes of our trip to the Florida Panhandle. We visited Tallahassee to see FSU and FAMU, Carabelle to see the world's smallest police station, Cape Sandblast to see the Donna Kay abandoned ship, and a few other small beach towns. So in our last set of episodes, we were in Mexico, and we visited Playa del Carmen and Chichen Itza, one of the seven wonders of the world, and even Tulum. For this trip, we originally thought about going to St. Augustine, Florida, but instead decided to get more bang for our buck and visit the Florida Panhandle. Now, the Florida Panhandle is in the northwest part of the state, and Georgia is to the north of Tallahassee, but basically the rest of the Florida Panhandle is surrounded at the north and the west by Alabama. Tallahassee is actually landlocked, so it doesn't have access to the Gulf, but all of these other towns do. So there's a lot of different options along the Gulf of Mexico. Now, many people think that the state capital, Florida, um, is Miami, especially if you're from like a different state or a different country, because that's the major metropolitan area that has like all the TV shows and all the movies. Heck, that's even where LeBron decided to take his talents to. Um, but, you know, besides the, you know, Miami Vice vibes and outfits, there's a lot of other things in Florida. And one of the places that we decided to go, because not a lot of people actually visit there, is this Florida Panhandle. And the largest city there is the capital, and that is Tallahassee. Um, now, with all of the... 80 plus year olds who always seem to be the ones who win the Florida lottery win and they want to go make an appointment and get all their lottery earnings, that's where they go because that's also uh, the headquarters of the Florida lottery. Um, and I actually went to, I lived in Tallahassee for four years when I was in college. So I uh, went to Florida State University and after graduating, you know, my friends and I would meet up once a year and go to the football game and check out the campus, but that hasn't happened in several years, so a lot of this stuff has uh, changed, and I haven't really been there uh, in a long time. There's a lot of construction. It's, it's much harder to get from point A to point Z for, like, a stranger or someone who hasn't uh, uh, been there in a long time, but what did you think about uh, Florida State's campus? Yeah, so I actually went to a local Bible college, mm -hmm. and I lived at home, so I didn't live on campus. Um, so just walking around a college campus and then like a huge like university is completely different. Like my Bible college was super small. I think about 300 students. We knew everybody. Um, your campus and your school is the complete opposite. And so it was huge. It was massive. It wasn't just like one little like area. Like it felt like the whole little city, the whole city was like FSU, like everything FSU, like FSU flags on like on the outside of uh, like storefronts. Like it was just all about the college, definitely a college town. And then obviously a bunch of buildings and I loved like the brick feel and that was super cool. It reminded me of like when I've been to like Boston and that area up there. Um, but bookstores everywhere and just college kids kind of like walking around everywhere. Um, definitely a lot of walking as we walked around campus. 
a bunch of dormitories. Oh, and then the frat houses, like all this stuff. Like I've only seen in movies because I never went to a like, even <laughs> like the uh, the the kind of pin board. You're like, oh, I've never really seen oh, that. Really. Yeah, that pin board. Like the like I've seen it. Like I'm thinking, okay, like when I've watched movies and all the college kids like go to press a uh, you know a note on the pin board, like right, hey, like a, well, a number if you need like yeah. laundry or roommate. <laughs> So that was cool. I'm like, wait, this actually exists. It's not just a thing in movies. Um, so that was really cool. Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely awesome. I know you had said there was a bunch of changes too, like mm -hmm. as we we're trying to, you know, you're trying to show me different like buildings that you spend a lot of time in and or whatever. You're like, wait, this building is here. This wasn't here back then. Um, but it was cool. You did show me like where your house was and where you lived and you were like literally across the street from the stadium yeah so i was right across from like the soccer field in a very uh short walk to um to, to doke i mean that's what we called it the official name is like doke s campbell stadium but we always kind of called it by you know its nickname mm -hmm. and that stadium is one of the things that I don't feel changed all too much, especially even the area around that. Uh, it opened in like 1950 and it was named after FSU's first president. And the field that they play on is named after Bobby Bowden, who was FSU's very, very long time coach from 1976 to 2009. He led the Seminoles to a national championship in 93 and a national championship in 1999. And then in front of it is something that is not too too old but it was built around the time that I was there still in 2003 and this is a the unconquered student statue now this is a huge statue uh, stands about 31 feet tall and it's made out of bronze and um, the students and fans of Florida State will recognize you know Chief Osceola and his uh, horse renegade on top of it but the you know the people who funded it and you know uh, kind of spearheaded this whole project for about 10 years said that it just broadly celebrates the human spirit and not tied to any individual characters but come on I mean it's obviously uh Chief Osceola and Renegade. You're really excited about that. <laughs> I was really excited about that. And even on like game days, I remember it was super cool because uh, Chief Osceola is holding like this huge uh, spear and they would light it the, the night before and they keep it up until the morning after the game. And it was especially cool like at night, kind of mm -hmm. see all that fire coming off. Uh, super interesting. I don't know if they still do it. Hopefully they do. Looked really cool. So, and what else did you think about like the, the Doak uh, football stadium area? Yeah, so I definitely love football. It's probably the sport that I watch the most. And um, definitely huge. Like I've seen, you know, other college um, stadiums a little bit and they don't seem as big. Um, but this one actually, like just from the outside, like I didn't even think it was a football stadium I thought like it looks like a castle like it's just all the brick the same brick that's on the other buildings is like what the outside of the stadium is um so that was it was awesome it was really cool and even the angles that you got from the drone shot like yeah. looked so cool um but yeah it was it was very impressive yeah definitely one of the coolest parts about uh you know this week's vlog is uh the drone footage especially of dope being able to rise up didn't try to fly over it or anything like that but it looks really cool from from the drone perspective mm -hmm. um, another thing that we another place that we visited in tallahassee was famu or florida agricultural mechanical university randomly i'll see a famu sign i'll just go because of the rattlers so that's pretty cool <laughs> uh, so it's a public school and it's actually the third largest historically black university 
uh, by enrollment in the United States in their home of the Marching 100. And most people only seen like a band like this in the movie Drumline, but it, it's really cool. Like they're great at their instruments and they're amazing uh, dancers. Uh, I remember one homecoming, I was actually able to to go to their homecoming and just see like this performance and um, it, it's truly incredible. Um, and why is that important to you? Like why is marching band so important to you? Yeah, so <laughs> I was definitely a big time band geek uh, growing up, uh, played clarinet and like saxophone for like six years. I was in uh, marching band high school and one of the options I thought of was continuing on with band in college. I decided not to, but still had the love for, uh, for marching band and section X, saxophone section that they called at Florida State, and uh, it was t totally amazing to, to see that. Um, and they're actually pretty famous. They were mm -hmm. at the inauguration of President Clinton and President uh, Obama, so uh, they're actually uh, hopefully got more recognition from that. But uh, big uh, school for uh, if you want to go and be a pharmacist, and an amazing campus uh, there as well. Uh, between Florida State and uh, FAMU is this art district that you actually found for us. So. Yeah, so as we were looking through things to check out in Tallahassee, uh, I'm naturally drawn to artistic things and found an art area um, here in that in that city. So we went and checked it out. It was um, it was towards the end of the day, and there wasn't a lot going around. A lot of the shops were closed already, and maybe because you know we went during winter break there wasn't many students around but I'm sure during um during college like time of the year there's a lot of people around there because it's definitely a really cool spot um so definitely local art everywhere uh kind of painted on the walls if mo it's like most arts districts like the one in Miami is like that the one in LA is like that this one's a lot smaller um but it's still there and local artists local art shops um, little like thrift stores, a couple restaurants, and we ended up finding a bar to go hang out in um, and grab dinner as the sun was setting. And then even that area was like bistro lights kind of strung across, like the fake grass on the floor. So it definitely gave me Wynwood vibes from Miami for sure. So yeah. I loved it. Super cool. Yeah. From Tallahassee, we went south to Edward, Edward Ball State Park in McCullough Springs. Now this is home of the world's largest and deepest freshwater springs. It also claims to have manatees and uh, even sells like manatee keepsakes in the gift shop. Even though we walked around, didn't see any manatees. I don't know if you have to go on a boat or what, but that's okay. Um, did not see any manatees in real life. And um, the water stays around 70 degrees Fahrenheit, they say. And uh, you can walk into the water or you can um, kind of jump off of like this 10 to 15 foot uh, platform that they built into the water. Mm -hmm. And when you're there, you can see the old school uh, pictures of what it used to look like when it was just like old and just completely wooden. Now it has like yeah. more structure up and I think it's actually made probably out of metal. Safer. <laughs> it's probably a lot safer uh, now. Um, we decided not to jump in. We saved all the jumping into waters from our Mexican cenote video. Um, but we decided to say drive this time, but um, it does have that there. Another cool fact is that this is actually where they had mastodons. And you, I always thought of, um, you know, like these big woolly mammoths and being in all this snow and like Florida, 
doesn't even snow. So, um, you know, I always kind of forget about that. But they had mastodons, which are three times the size of elephants, which is pretty mm -hmm. cool. And they had either the jaw or, like, the teeth on display there to kind mm -hmm. of prove yeah. uh, that that's what they have. And they also have, like, a 1930s Spanish-style lodge where they have, like, the original furniture and elevators and uh, painted ceiling and all that kind of uh, good stuff. Um, yeah, so back in college, I would I definitely jumped off there a couple of times and swam around. They rope it off so that you can't mm -hmm. swim out to the alleged manatees or the alligators, I guess, <laughs> to kind of keep it as safe as possible. And there was nobody there, uh, so we could have swam, but it was in the wintertime, so yeah. it was pretty cool. Uh, and the, the ranger, you know, helped us out, uh, gave us the discounted admission price of free uh, because it was between shifts, so. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, so we had a really good time in Wakulla Springs, but we didn't spend too much time. just kind of walked around, looked for manatees, uh, tried to avoid any sort of alligators, but there were none there. Enjoyed the freshly fallen leaves mm -hmm. from the seasonal changes that we don't have uh, back in South Florida. And so I think it was a good time, uh, a good stopover in Wakulla Springs. From McCullough Springs, we drove down the winding road that is 319 South to Carabelle, Florida. The last 10 minutes of the drive is right along the Gulf of Mexico. And it boasts, the city boasts about having no high rises. And they even have like a promotional video that feels like it's set from the 1950s on their official website. It's hilarious. Um, but the, having no high rises is super nice, especially when you are driving along the go yeah. Gulf. And being from South Florida, that's like, completely alien to us because there's nothing but high-rise condos and high-rise hotels. You could be driving along the uh, beach or along the ocean for like miles and miles and never actually see the water. So that is uh, something to boast about. They also have the world's smallest uh, police station. Um, so in the early 1960s, Carabelle's police phone was located in a call box that was bolted to a building. During that time, the city had problems with people making unauthorized long-distance calls. <laughs> so they had to move it to another location. Um, so the call box was moved to that other location, but those illegal calls still continued. They noticed that the police would get drenched while answering the phone calls when it was raining. So when the telephone company decided to replace its worn-out uh, phone booth with a new one, the police phone moved into the old booth. Um, so in 1963, this phone booth was moved to its current site, which is along U.S. Highway 98, so it's right off the main road, and the, um, the booth did uh, change, and the officers, it kind of protected the officers from the elements, but some people still snuck in to make the long-distance phone calls, and eventually the dial was removed from the phone, making it impossible for anyone to make phone calls, and today, unfortunately, it's a replica booth of the original one, and that's what's on display right now, which is probably good in case it gets vandalized or whatever. It's always good to have, like, a replica out there. Mm -hmm. So it's right off of US 98, um, and it was featured on television shows such as Ripley's Believe It or Not, uh, The Today Show, and The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, it was also in this movie, Tate's Hell, which, uh, like, Tate's Hell is, like, a beer, and it's also, like, a name of a park, so it's... Everything kind of ties into that area. But that film was produced at Florida State University, tying in the panhandle. And we also ate lunch there. So what did you think about Carabelle and our lunch experience? Yeah, it was definitely a small little beach town and very quiet. Um, the locals were just kind of like walking around, going to their little stores. Um, but we did stop into a little... Um, 
Yeah, like, like a diner kind Dine, of area. It felt like a diner, yeah, especially when you walked in. But they had like on the outside like coffee, soup, you know, like kind of telling you what they had in their uh, in their diner. So we walked in, and there's like knickknacks everywhere up on the walls. There's actually like they took a Scrabble board yeah. and like made words out of Scrabble. So that looked really cool. Um, but we just got some, you know, sandwiches and some coffee. We had to pay cash. Like they didn't take credit cards. Uh, super, super tiny town. I'm telling you. It was incredible how fast they got the food to us. Like this, we before we even sat down, yeah. they basically gave us our sandwiches, um, which was awesome. And then the coffee, they had to brew fresh, so we got like a fresh batch of coffee, um, and we oh we got a carrot little carrot cake too, mm -hmm. that was super good and fresh. Um, so yeah, it was a good little spot for lunch. Yeah, and then from there. So on this road trip, we wanted our last stop to be Panama City. We want that to be our final destination. So we could have went from Carabelle back up 319 and then taking I-10 over, but we purposely decided to go along US 98 West to take a more scenic route. Um, so we saw a lot of different small beach towns, right? So mm -hmm. Carabelle is one of them with the world's smallest police station and a diner that gives you food basically before you're done ordering it. Uh, so this whole area of Florida is called Florida's Forgotten Coast. And our favorite stop along for the Forgotten uh, coast was like this really enchanting place. It was called Cape San Blas. Uh, so it's often forgotten, which makes sense. It's called the Forgotten Coast. But in 2002, Cape San Blas was named the best beach in America by Dr. Beach. I don't know who he was, but <laughs> I respect his opinion. And it's located off of St. Joseph Peninsula, a small sliver of land. Um, out, and it's really out in the middle of like St. Joseph's Bay. So surprisingly, it's one of the least populated beaches in Florida. And um, like I said, it's, it's forgotten, but it really shouldn't be. So hopefully a lot of people see this in our vlog and then they go and visit it. Maybe so it's not crowded with people, but it's definitely something that everyone should see that's in driving distance of Florida. It does make it a little difficult though, because there's not like a park here parking lot to go to the beach right and so i think maybe maybe that's why it's forgotten i don't know <laughs> yeah exactly there is no actual you know parking lot or or anything like that i mean what did you what did you think about cape sandblast yeah so first of all like even trying to find where we were headed was kind of confusing like we're like we know the beach is that way but we don't know how to get to it and so we just kept driving until we finally found a spot to pull over um kind of like near like big beach rocks like we've seen and so we just pulled out and uh walked onto the beach and it was really cool like there's again nobody there maybe i think in our whole time there we maybe saw 10 other people so we were just walking to kind of search for something and it felt like I keep saying it feels like like a like a Star Wars film like you know you have like the 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 big open kind of area and like just random like roots coming up from the ground and like uh, stumps of trees and it was just the the sand was like super white and the way the waters was hitting the the sand was super cool and then we even got to certain sections where um, I don't even know how to explain it, so you just have to go onto our social media or our vlog to see it. But like the way the water was like hitting the sand and like I guess there was like 
some brown water. I don't know why it was brown, but like brown water kind of mixing in with the sand and the water and it just looked really, really cool. Um, again, it's really hard to explain, so you're just gonna have to go check it out. Yeah, it's like a mixture of like the brackish water that you would have at a, a canal slowly kind of pouring towards uh, the salt water of the ocean. So the mixture there is, is amazing and um, it's not I don't know if we were trespassing, but I don't know. It's not the most public beach in the world. So there, yeah, there was trees that were down or like all this kind of thing, all these kind of things that wouldn't be at a public beach because they would yeah. uh, kind of clean those things up and make it more commercial instead of like mm -hmm. the natural beach. And there was seashells everywhere. Tons of seashells and like people even decorated like trees with the seashells. Yeah, they took some seashells and like hung them onto the palm trees. We thought the seashells got washed up onto the palm trees and then right. when we got closer we pulled one off we're like oh okay but it still looked cool. Yeah and uh, there was even like a uh, four pillars where there was probably a building before mm -hmm. so I don't know what used to be there but um, it has a lot of uh, cool things and definitely, it, I mean, yeah, we didn't know if, when we parked, we didn't know if our car was going to get towed or ticketed, <laughs> uh, but it was worth it to see this awesome beach. And mm -hmm. the special reason we went in the first place is because one of my coworkers posted on social media um, that, uh, you know, they were going along the beach and they were horseback riding, which is awesome. That looks super fun. But then I saw something else there. And the thing that I saw was the Donna K shrimp boat. And I was like, we got to see this. Um, so we didn't even see any of those pictures of what that beach looked like. So that was a nice added bonus. But the mm -hmm. Donna K shrimp boat ran uh, ground like at the tip of this. And it's a cape, right? So if you think about Cape Cod, it's a sliver of land coming mm -hmm. out into uh, the water there. Um, and it came, this Donna shrimp boat came ashore and then after the hurricane hurricane michael in 2018 it was pushed even further on shore so it's like completely on the land at this point and it's not like a small boat it's like this huge boat um so there's like three theories of how this louisiana shrimp boat got onto the mainland um so either it pulled itself free from anchor so it wasn't anchored enough and or the captain fell asleep at the wheel uh or the ship was let go for an insurance claim if there was hurt well, we've been in New Orleans. Unfortunately, we know like all the damage destruction hurricanes mm -hmm. do. So it could have been let go for an insurance claim. But for whatever reason, it uh, was let free from Louisiana. It ran aground on Cape San Blas. And then due to the hurricane water and wind, it's pushed completely on land. But what did you think about uh, the Donna Kay and finally seeing it? Yeah, it was super cool. Like, I think because we had to walk so long, we're like, are we going to get to this? Is it even here? Um, but we we found it. We definitely found it. Um, I think we, not I think, we had looked up on the Google Maps, like, where it was on the, on the, on the map. And so, you know, I'm seeing it on the map, and we're like, we just got to keep walking. It's there. And then we finally get to it, and it's awesome. And the colors are really cool, too, like the red and the white. So the red contrasting with the white behind it and the beach um and and the waters up there are kind of like greenish emerald so like all the colors together looked really cool and like then, you said with the with the google maps it's like you see google maps all right so it's a cape it's a white beach and you mm -hmm. can see uh the trees and everything like that but if you literally zoom in on google maps just like if you look at your own house you'll see your car yeah. or whatever you literally just see a boat there yeah yeah so that's how we knew like it's actually there well you know according to the maps yeah um but it was definitely a cool spot. Oh, and then all the drone footage that you got yeah. from from the boat was super cool. Um, so yeah, it was it was 
definitely a sight to see. Yeah, it's like a whole boat. It's not like just like a, a canoe or anything like that. No. And then when we flew the drone over and we, you could see that in our vlog too. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a complete ship that's intact. Yeah, yeah. So it was definitely a hidden gem and super awesome that we were able to find it. Yeah. Um, definitely worth all and you know when we're getting there we had to like walk over like puddles of water yeah and uh it was like an obstacle course to get there i mean i feel like we're always going on obstacle courses yeah. but the the final destination that we reach is really good yeah. um it was, oh and yeah. then on the way back out the sunset was yeah. gorgeous so i thought it looked really cool on the way in but then on the walk back out the sun is setting and the oranges are hitting the trees like oh it was just gorgeous like it is every photographer's dream probably actually we saw a photographer yeah. at one point taking some photos while we were trying to fly the drone um so yeah it was super super cool and definitely go check it out for sure yeah also on us 98 on the forgotten coast of florida is panama city there we stayed at an airbnb and uh, wanted to do some cooking for dinner uh, i'll let you talk about our host in a minute but he did recommend that we go in uh, find this fish market now there wasn't a whole lot of things um in the market and mm -hmm. actually it didn't even have a sign out front if we didn't put it into the gps we probably would have never uh found it but it was like a basic layout think about a supermarket the um like fish department, like the, um, basically where they have fish laid out, it was that. <laughs> it was just that section. Yeah. yeah, there was maybe, what, 10 or 15 different kinds of fish. There was mm -hmm. some, some shrimp, and then there was, like, a few different uh, dips. So there was a tuna dip that we got. There was a spicy one, which probably was a tuna dip with, like, jalapenos in it, and a shrimp dip, and maybe, like, one other ones. Mm -hmm. um, and we got uh, fish, so we got a couple fillets of the bar jack, mm -hmm. which I've had amber jack before from Tampa Bay, but I've never had a mm -hmm. bar jack. Uh, lemon to go with the fish, uh, pack of crackers. Not even like, oh, here's like four or five different like, like saltines. Like a box of crackers. Yeah. Like it's, you know, a how you sleeve. Get, yeah, you, a get, sleeve. you get the box of saltine crackers with four sleeves. Like, nope, you, they just sold you one sleeve, which is good for us because we didn't need much. Yeah, so. and a lemon, but I thought it looked like an orange. I don't know. It, it was, was a pretty big lemon. <laughs> it was a really big lemon. So you can yeah. get tons of uh, fish uh, situated with that. And yeah, like I said, we got the, the tuna dip. Uh, so we had a nice little uh, meal. And outside of the Airbnb, uh, we were upstairs stairs and on the deck there was a grill there so mm -hmm. we were able to grill up our fish as the sun was going down it was like a, a gorgeous uh dinner yeah. um it got really cold out there as you know north florida in the winter uh so we couldn't be out there for too long but we're at least able to to grill as the sun was going down that was nice yeah. but yeah our airbnb host really helped us out by giving us that recommendation and he also told us some more things yeah i love chuck chuck was great he was super awesome um host for airbnb um you know airbnbs are hit or miss you don't know what kind of like host you're gonna get but this guy was super helpful he left kind of a whole little booklet of local things to go check out um local space spots to go eat um he even told us hey when you get there let me know i'll show you around my little area because he actually has maybe like four or five other units right there um and so it's kind of almost like a little like resort you know he's trying to make his own little resort super cute like i think the whole thing is called the hideaway and then he has like uh different areas and we stayed in the pelican nest and so the inside decor had like pelican stuff around it um but he showed us around he had like paddle boards um kayaks which i wanted to try and go paddling even just one of the times but it was just way too cold um but he has like bikes that you can go you know bike to the beach he had like a little greenery house out there and he's like, yeah, just go sit on out there, drink a glass of wine or a whole bottle of wine <laughs> if you want. 
Um, but yeah, he was super friendly. Um, so if you need a spot to stay in Panama City, definitely check that out. Um, super cool. And uh, we were able to, yeah, grill out on the deck. And it was gorgeous. And um, oh, you also said that I did want to say this when you were talking about the signage mm. for the market. Um, like it didn't have signage, and we noticed a lot of the the stores, mm. like the local stores there, didn't have signage on the outside either. So um, I guess if you're a local, you know where everything is. You don't really need a sign. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Then we went to Destin. Destin is known as the world's luckiest fishing village, and it's home of some of the best saltwater fishing in the United States. They say. Um, it's located on a peninsula mm -hmm. separating the Gulf of Mexico from the Chacawachi Bay. And the peninsula was originally an island, but hurricanes and sea level changes gradually connected the island to the mainland. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty interesting. I've never heard of that happening before. Uh, and Destin is, is the pride of the Emerald Coast. And it's called the Emerald Coast because of the color of the water. And the emerald green water with the white sand beaches makes it absolutely gorgeous. And we also went to Henderson uh, State Park where we were technically allowed to fly. I mean, we always look at the app and the drone will not take off uh, when I say fly the drone. Uh, the drone won't take off if it's not allowed. Mm -hmm. um, but as we were starting to fly it, a uh, security guard came along. Not as nice as the Wakola's uh, security guard, but he came along and said that we couldn't fly it. But what, I mean, like, what happened there? Yeah, so we went ahead and did what we were supposed to do and we put the drone away. Although, like it said, we could fly. But there is like an Air Force or Air something. Yeah, there's like it. an Air Force base <laughs> by it. But yeah. it's not like literally part of the park you couldn't and the other part you couldn't. Like the drone literally will not take off if you're not allowed to do yeah. it. It's not like an opin uh, opinion or a, a, a gut choice on it. Like it's yeah. just, it will not fly. Yeah, but that section of the park we were... We, we should have been able to, but he told us to put it away, so we did. But nonetheless, we just walked over the beach, checked it out, um, got some footage there. The sun was kind of starting to go down, so it was a nice golden hour. And the water is definitely, like, emerald, like they say. Like, this this water is green. It's beautiful. Um, there's, like, a bunch of little birds kind of walking around on the beach. I even, like, picked up the sand, and it is so powdery and, like, like like dry snow maybe that's yeah. maybe what it feels like um but it was definitely beautiful and then on the other side of the parking lot is these 30 foot white sand dunes they were massive and super cool um so because this is a local state park there was like trails there's a spot to go camping even um but we just hung out for a little bit and then kept it moving yeah, so that was our time in Destin, and you know, all in all, we had a great time in the Florida Panhandle. We got to see the Donna Kay Shrimp Boat on land, the world's smallest police station, and the sugar white sand of the world's luckiest fishing village. So we really want to thank you guys for listening to the end of this podcast. New episodes are out each week on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Keep up with our daily content on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or any of your uh, preferred social media providers. This is Witty Travels. What, what could, could possibly, possibly be, be next? next?